May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, for you are our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Good morning, St. Dunstan's. Please be seated. Not, if I have not had a chance to greet you personally this morning, it's wonderful to be here with you. I am Marianne Buddy. I've had the privilege of serving as Bishop of this Diocese for seven and a half years now. And I've been looking forward to this day for some time. I um, hold St. Dunstan's and your rector, especially Jeffrey McKnight, in great esteem. I know this is his victory lap and uh, wanted to run alongside him for uh, these in his last, um, last season with you. Also very grateful for the lay leadership of this community, many of whom I have worked closely um, throughout the years and I am equally excited uh, for the future of St. Dunstan's and look forward to meeting with both the search committee and with the vestry after worship today as well as having an opportunity to speak individually with, with some of you. The title of my sermon is, There Are Burning Bushes Everywhere. You might cast your eye again on that first reading from the book of Exodus. Let me read you just the first part again. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness, came out to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. Picture the terrain of your life from God's perspective, if you can. And imagine the equivalent of burning bushes everywhere. Those things that if you actually stopped to notice and engage might have the power to change you and change the course of your life. And in your mind's eye, see yourself walking the terrain of your life every day, and what might it take for you to stop and notice? Um, think of the last time you walked down a garden path with a young child, a child young enough that every step is a revelation. The leaf, the dirt, the budding flower. It can take you an hour and a half to go 20 yards because everything is new. Everything has something to reveal. Now, about the burning bush, very wise rabbi, uh, Rabbi Lawrence Kushner writes this, the burning bush was not in itself a miracle. It was a test. God wanted to find out whether or not Moses could pay attention for more than a few minutes. And then when Moses did, God spoke. The trick is to pay attention to what's going on around you long enough to behold the miracle without falling asleep. 
There's another world here within this one whenever we pay attention. So pondering this evocative image of a burning bush as a means that God uses to get our attention, that's the context, it occurred to me that there are at least three different kinds of burning bushes that we might encounter with distinct things to say to us. Now, there may be more than three, no doubt that there are, but for today, consider these. The first, let's let's just call the burning bushes of everyday miracles, what Rabbi Kushner calls as garden variety, everyday mystical experiences. Um, The Irish poet John O'Donohue once said that the most amazing thing about our lives is that we're here at all, that we actually exist. Life itself is a burning bush and a cause for wonder and gratitude. And cultivating a spirit of gratitude opens us to the miracle of our lives and the small flames of countless burning bushes that require absolutely nothing from us, but are simply there to give us sustenance. A couple years ago, um, for the Thanksgiving service at uh, Thanksgiving Day service at National Cathedral School, which is the girls' school on the Cathedral Close, I challenged the girls to take up a 30-day gratitude experience. And to make it interesting, I said that I wasn't going to challenge the boys of St. Albans to do this, so St. Albans boys, without knowing it, would be the control group, right? They'd be oblivious. They'd be oblivious to this while the girls were doing this. And I said, for the next 30 days, just at the end of the day or at the beginning of the day, write down in a notebook or on your computer three things for which you are grateful. And then, as you do that, and don't just write them down, and then just begin to notice what, if anything, changes in you as a result of doing this. Try not to miss a day, I said, but if you do, just start over. And I assured them, which we all need to be assured of, that they didn't have to pretend to be grateful for things that they weren't grateful for, for hardship or for disappointment, but perhaps in the midst of those things to see if they might look around and name other things for which they could be grateful in the midst of them. A supportive friend, the gift of good food, a hot shower in the morning. Now, the fourth grade class made this gratitude experiment a project. And after 30 days, they all wrote me letters describing their experience, which I treasure. And I pulled them out again last night. And among the things they wrote, are these. I was inspired to be more grateful, and it worked. I found myself happier, more joyful, and less worried. It's from a fourth grader. I liked writing the gratitudes because I learned that even if you're in hard times, you can find joy. I noticed it was good to appreciate what you have. I found writing my three gratefuls helped me calm down and get a good night's sleep. I noticed my cheerfulness not only affected me, but others and brightened their days. All this from the practice of paying attention to small burning bushes of daily miracles and giving thanks. 
We can all do this. And this is the season to pay attention. If I were to come back next week, the entire terrain around St. Dunstan's will look different because of the turning of the seasons and the budding of life. Miracles all around us. There's another kind of burning bush. This is the second for the, of the three today. And this has some urgency to it because it is born of need, your own or someone else's. And it doesn't, the burning bush isn't necessarily for you in particular. It calls out to anyone with eyes to see and ears to hear. This, is, this burning bush is an open invitation God's open invitation to anyone who could step up. It's as if God were asking, is there anyone out there? And I think of Jesus' story of the Good Samaritan in this light. If you remember, there was a man, Jesus said, robbed and left for dead on the roadside. Three men encounter him. Two of them pass by, not because they didn't see him, but because they chose to act as if they didn't see, because they were busy and they were important and they didn't have any room in their lives. But one man stopped, not because God was calling him in particular, but because the call was the need itself and he heard it and he had room or made room to respond. The priest or the Levite could have just as well have been the one to show mercy, but they didn't. It was the Samaritan who did. He saw, if you will, the burning bush. He took notice and responded. God needed someone, and the Samaritan took it upon himself to be the one. And I would suggest to you that God needs all of us to take care to notice on the margins of our lives, that space that allows us to respond with an open-ended, to the open-ended, I should say, burning bushes all around us. If we have absolutely no margin in our lives, we can't respond because there's nothing of us to give. So if we, we need to have a bit of margin so that when a need arises, we may be one of the ones who can respond. Um, imagine how grateful God is when we see such a need and respond as we can because we choose to do so. It's the second. And the final of the three, the final burning, burning bush to consider, this one isn't open-ended at all. It's got your name on it, or it has mine. And the example of Moses is most instructive here. Um, God wasn't trying to get anyone's attention with the blazing bush that was not consumed. God was speaking to Moses. And God deliberately chose fire as a means to get his attention because, I suggest, because of a fire that once burned so fiercely inside Moses. You may remember that Moses was born a Hebrew slave who had been taken from his parents 
and raised in a place of privilege as the adopted grandson of the same ruler who oppressed his people, his own family. And growing up, Moses saw and felt the injustice all around him, and it burned inside him like a consuming fire. And one day, you may remember, he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew slave, one of his fellow Hebrews, and he, in his rage, killed the Egyptian. And then he then tried to engage his fellow Hebrews, but they wanted nothing to do with him. And fearing for his life, he fled to another country, and he settled there, and he eventually married, and he had children, and he'd mellowed a bit in those ensuing years. He got pretty comfortable, and he lived under the wise tutelage of his father-in-law, Midian. And by the time he encountered the burning bush, the fire inside him had grown a bit dim. But God needed him. God needed Moses for a particular task, to lead his people, Moses' own people, out of slavery into freedom. God needed Moses' passion for justice, as well as now his hard-won wisdom. And so God spoke to Moses in the language of fire, the same fire that burned inside him. There are, from time to time, burning bushes that are meant for you and for me alone. Through them, God isn't asking anyone to do something. God is asking you or me to do something specific, a particular task at a particular time. It doesn't happen every day, but when it does, there's generally a reason born of our life experiences. The connection runs really deep to a core truth that's often, not always, but often connected to our own experiences of suffering. For that's one way that God redeems and responds to our lives, allowing a vocation for us to emerge from a broken place so that we might experience healing and even gratitude where we once felt sorrow or shame. So today, as I wrap this up, I just, I simply invite you to consider the varied burning bushes of your life and mine. You might take note of the everyday variety of burning bushes that require no response from us except for our gratitude and how we might cultivate a practice of gratitude so that we can be even more aware and thankful. We might keep watch for the open-ended burning bushes that call out to any of us that are in a position to respond. They will pre present themselves um, at the time that they are needed and wait for the ones who are able to respond. And then know that there, are most there is most certainly a burning bush for you and for you alone because of who you are, the gifts you have, the wounds you've endured. It may not be in your life right now. It may be presenting itself 
later on, or it may, you may be living off of the experience of one that presented itself to you earlier. But when you are in the presence of such a bush, remember that it is God calling you at who you are as you are. Moses was utterly and completely human when God called him, and so are we. If you're in the midst of such a call now, I simply pray God's blessings for you and for your strength. And if you aren't and you wonder how you'll know when God calls, trust me, you'll know. Because remember, in those moments, God will speak in a way so deep and so personal there will be no mistaking. And in the meantime, in the meantime, practice paying attention so that you'll be ready when the flame appears and you and I can respond with our wholehearted yes. In the name of God, amen.